President Biden has not had much luck lately. Inflation at record highs, gas prices also at record highs, a migrant surge at the border, a crime surge within the borders, the first major war in Europe in 70 years, approval ratings in the doldrums, and the progressive loss of his ability to form coherent English sentences. But yesterday, Biden finally may have received a sign that his luck is about to turn around when a bird defecated on his blazer. At the center of our efforts to build a future that's made in America. And that's not hyperbole. It's about being made in America. A lot of that has to do with this. And there it is. There you can see it. He's talking and then this little white kind of appears and we know what happened. A bird defecated on him. The notion that a bird defecating on you constitutes good luck is an old Russian superstition based on the sheer improbability of it happening. Experts have put the odds at around 0.18%. That's, that's the, the regression, the analysis has shown that it's that small. But it's not true for everyone. If you live in New York City, the odds increase to about 1.14% since New York is home to more than 1 million pigeons. And both of those numbers are based on an average person spending 5,184 seconds per day outside exposed to the predations of bird bowels. If you increase the number of pigeons in your city, or if you increase the time you spent exposed to birds, your chances would increase even more. If, for instance, you locked yourself in a room filled to the brim with birds and gave yourself nowhere to hide, your odds of getting crapped on by a bird would be 100%, which is why I don't think Joe Biden's bad luck is going to turn around. Because Joe Biden's bad luck has not been based on random chance. Inflation is up in part because Biden and his party have printed and spent money with reckless abandon, and in part because gas is increasing as well, which occurred because Joe Biden stifled American oil production, shut down a new American oil pipeline, and then gave a new pipeline to Vladimir Putin, which in turn gave Putin the opportunity to invade Ukraine, which is causing oil to spike even more, causing massive domestic instability, which Biden is exacerbating by encouraging an historic flood of illegal aliens pouring over the southern border by refusing to enforce the law which in turn Biden and Democrats are also flouting throughout the rest of the country by defunding the police and letting criminals off the hook, which in turn is causing an historic wave of crime that is now entering its third year. In other words, Biden has made his own bad luck and it's going to take a lot more than avian excrement to turn it around. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. My favorite comment yesterday comes from Fukushima Rose. What a name. My Fukushima Rose, the glowingest flower that grows. I became a Daily Wire member over the weekend. One reason in particular was to watch Fauci Unmasked. I give the documentary an A minus only because Michael never did his Fauci impression. Outstanding job. Thank you very much, Fukushima Rose. I appreciate your compliment. I certainly hope that other people uh, come and watch it as well because it, if you don't believe it yet, I hope the last few days have shown you, Dr. Fauci is coming back. COVID, it's, come, it's all coming back, folks. The libs are just waiting on it, but they're holding on to that power, okay? And as all the other political issues get worse, as they do worse in the polls for the midterms, you're going to see that come right up. 
One of the big issues for them is inflation, specifically inflation with regard to food, which is why you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Most people listening to this show right now have never in their entire lifetimes seen inflation like we are seeing right now. And that inflation is particularly pronounced when it comes to food. What if I told you you can inflation-proof your food purchases right now forever? And I'm specifically talking about the most important delicious food you put on the table. I'm talking about beef. And better than organic chicken, too. But I'm more concerned with that steak, with those burgers, with that ground beef. You can subscribe right now to Good Ranchers. They already have ridiculously low prices for fabulous quality meat. Amazing American beef and meat from from American ranches. And you just get locked into that price forever. And you get another $30 discount on top of that for their prime steaks, for their better than organic chicken. The way to do it, it's not too good to be true. This is for our listeners. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles to save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes all the guesswork out of the grocery store, sources everything locally. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, on your box of 100% American meat, and you will get your $30 savings. I suggest you subscribe. You can also buy the boxes one off to give it a try. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. Joe Biden was defecated on while he was giving a speech in Iowa about inflation. Uh, frankly, the part where the bird relieved itself on Biden's shoulder was one of the more coherent parts of the speech. The rest of the speech sounded like this. Now, as I was campaign here and I and made that commitment, I don't think anybody heard it, but we're back. We're back. And I, uh, my name is Joe, Joe Biden. I work for uh, Congressman Axney. Uh, there she is. I learned a long time ago when she says, I have a, I just say yes. I say yes right off the bat. So and frankly, even that rambling nonsense was more coherent than a lot of the rest of the speech. Here, obviously here, Biden is trying to tell jokes. This has been Biden's whole career. He doesn't really have anything to say. He doesn't really have any political vision. Whatever political vision he had, he's contradicted many times because he's an empty suit politician. He's a glad hander who just licks his finger and figures out which way the wind is blowing. Some politicians actually do have ideological views and really pursue them. Biden isn't one of them. So he's always gotten by on jokes and smiling and slap you on the back, but he can't even tell the jokes anymore. Uh, mine, uh, he kind of forgets where he is. He looks down at the paper. Uh, I'm Joe Biden. Ha uh, ha. And I, I work for the congressman. Ha 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 ha. And, but he's not delivering them. Well, so he's got nothing. So he's stammering around. People are trying to politely sort of chuckle. Then he starts babbling about chickens in Delaware. We have a $4 billion industry. It's called agriculture in Delaware. And it's mostly, we have more chickens in Delaware, broiler chickens in you have in the entire Midwest, I think. But all kidding aside, it is a big industry in Delaware. All kidding aside, but it, 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 it doesn't work. It, Joe Biden's usual MO, his usual political strategy of just kind of telling jokes and getting by and smiling doesn't work because he, he is not forming English sentences properly. Either the man is drunk before he gives every speech or he's senile. It's the only way to explain how he's slurring his words and missing his cadence and screwing up the syntax. They're going to try to blame it on a childhood stutter that he had 70 years ago, allegedly, that just disappeared magically for, what, 65, 70 years. And then it came roaring back when Biden turned 78 years old. 
It's, I don't think that's very believable. Or, or he's drunk, which I don't think he is, or he's senile. In any event, the latter is probably the most worrisome. At least if he were drunk, he could go to rehab for a week and come back and actually run the country. But he can't. He's senile, and that's why everything is falling to pot, not just on the domestic front, but notably on foreign policy as well. Because America's enemies look at him and they say, okay, America's weak. They've got no one running the show. And so we're going to, we're going to do what we want to do. And you see Russia expanding now into Ukraine. Uh, Russia's war in Ukraine has now prompted Julian Lennon. Julian Lennon is the first son of John Lennon to, to break a rule that he had made for himself. Julian Lennon said many years ago that he would never perform the song Imagine in public out of respect to his father. He said the only time he would ever perform Imagine in public was if the world were ending. And now Julian believes that the world is ending. And so as a part of a solidarity event for Ukraine, Julian Lennon performed Imagine, which really made me wonder hasn't Ukraine suffered enough? Do you really have to add insult to injury? The country is beleaguered by war. You've got the Russian army invading. And then on top of the cherry on top is that Julian Lennon has to sing maybe the single stupidest song ever written that, that is so ironic, actually, the way that he's, he's doing it, because the song, the song is as pro-Russia as it could be. The song is as anti-Ukraine as you could get. I have, I have the lyrics here. We all know it's a kind of communist anthem. I'd imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. That, that's what people in war-torn countries want to hear. People whose families have just been slaughtered by an invading army. They want to say, hey, there's no heaven. You're never going to see them again. They're turning to worm food. Any hope you might have, that's gone. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Yeah, Putin's imagining there's no countries. That's why he's rolling his tanks into Ukraine right now. The Ukrainians are, are praying that there will be countries, that people will respect borders. And, and this isn't the first time Russia's invaded Ukraine. Don't forget, when this, when this song was written, Russia was dominating Ukraine through the Soviet empire after it gobbled up a lot of other countries. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Yeah, there's no, no religion too. You've got Ukrainian Catholics praying for a peaceful end to this, and then you've got a former KGB agent from the most officially atheistic regime in the history of the world rolling the tanks in. But imagine, imagine all that. Living life in peace. That's not usually what happens when we've got those kinds of regimes. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. What are we going to be as one under what? Under what kind of government? Under this atheist, <laughs> communist government. And when I say communist government, I mean that specifically. Because verse three is, imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No, no need for greed or hunger or brotherhood of man. Putin's imagining no possessions. No, Ukrainians, you don't have the right to possess your country. The Soviet Union, in which Putin was steeped and raised, they imagined no possessions. They took possessions away from people. They nationalized everything. They stole those goods. And uh, rather than having uh, wealth and prosperity and a brotherhood of man, what did that result in? Poverty and misery for everyone. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Well, so, everyone gets to share, but equally, but some people get to share more equally than others. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us. The world will live as one. I am so sorry to the Ukrainian people that while they've got this open wound from Russia invading, this misguided hippie has rubbed salt in that wound by playing this awful song, which lyrically, ideologically is just so terrible, exactly the wrong message as 
is often the case. The people who sing this song as though it were some virtuous moral anthem are actually presenting some of the ideas that are the least moral in the world. But it's also just unbearable to listen to it. We used to have good hymnody in, in our civilization, beautiful songs and hymns and Gregorian chants and full masses. And now we just sing hippie ditties from the 70s and 80s as though that were the, the most inspiring thing in the world. Is it any wonder that people are more depressed? Now, when we want to actually focus our hope and our efforts, one great way to do it would be 40 days for life. Our culture screams, follow the science, and then ignores the science. Nowhere is this clearer than on abortion. The science is clear. Babies are human. Babies are alive. That's true when they're out of the womb. That's true when they're in the womb. And it is wrong to kill them when they're in the room. This is why the pro-life movement is winning right now, okay? We focus on the facts and the logic and the mind in the abortion debate. We also focus on the heart. We also focus on what this means to you, okay? And that's why our friends at 40 Days for Life have written the number two Amazon Christian bestseller, What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion, How to Change Minds and Convert Hearts in a Brave New World. 40 Days for Life is based in Texas. It's one of the largest pro-life grassroots organizations in the world. They've got 1 million volunteers in 1,000 cities holding peaceful 40-day vigils outside of abortion facilities to save lives and help abortion workers leave their jobs. Get the book, What to Say When, today. It covers the old arguments and the new ones. So get it and check out 40daysforlife.com to help end abortion wherever you live. Speaking of world hunger, there will be no, no hunger, nothing to live or die for. Speaking of political morality, I was at Yale. Yesterday, what was it, yesterday or two, two days ago, I was at Yale. And I was doing an event with Senator Cruz. We were doing a verdict event. And we always do the Q&A lines. And it was actually a wonderful event. And it, 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 despite all the threats of protests and boycotts and all sorts of things, uh, the students in the room were terrific. About a third of the students in the room were liberals. Even the, the liberal student newspaper was very nice to us about the event. We did get one question, though, that was a little bit out of left field. I will let that student present it himself. Assuming that would end global hunger, would you fillet another man? <laughs> if it would end world hunger, would you fillet another man? Really playing into stereotype over there at Yale. They're on, their, on the sexual front, on the moral front. So uh, the kid obviously meant this as a joke. I think it was clear he meant this as a joke. But there actually is a straightforward answer to it. <laughs> I, I made a joke that I don't think landed in the moment, which is that this shows the moral idiocy of so many liberal campuses now. Because what, what students are being taught, what a lot of people believe on the lib side is something called consequentialist ethics. And consequentialist ethics, in layman's terms, is just the idea that the ends justify the means. That if you've got some good end in mind, that you can commit any sort of immoral stuff in the, in the middle, and then that's, as long as something good results in the end, then it justifies all the immoral stuff you've done in the meantime. The, the, this is the idea that Stalin is said to have believed, that you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. Okay, yeah, we're going to have to kill millions of people, but in the end, we're going to have utopia. And, and as, as a practical matter, that doesn't happen. You, you, don't, you don't actually solve world hunger by, in this 
young man's words, filleting another man. But even if you could, it wouldn't justify the immoral action in the middle. And so I made a joke about what's called deontological ethics, which is that you should choose whether... I can't believe a joke about deontological ethics didn't land. But what what that means is that the, the, the morality of the act should be judged by the act itself, not by whatever wonderful ends you imagine it could result in. And What's funny about this stupid question that this kid asked is it actually does get to the moral divide on the left and the right. And it's probably the clearest moral divide, which is, should we, should we say, for instance, that the, the liberation of women, such as it is, uh, justifies killing a baby? Men and women can't be equal unless women are allowed to kill their babies because men can't get pregnant. So that's a huge difference. So if women are saddled with the, the, perils of pregnancy then, and the burden of pregnancy, then they can't be equal, so therefore women need to abort their kids. That, that's the argument for legal abortion. I, ironically, you don't even get the liberation in the end. You don't even get the good ends, but you really what you get is just depression and despair and a terrible culture. But even if you could get the good ends, it wouldn't justify that. And then mediaite, the liber, not just mediaite, but a number of places in the liberal media, decided to make fun of me for saying that I would not fillet a man to, to end world hunger. They, they said, Knowles went on to accuse the student of attempting to justify flagrantly immoral behavior to, to achieve a good end, adding, I tell you, my friend, the ends do not justify the means. Absolutely, absolutely not. The host did not expand on why he believes performing fellatio is flagrantly immoral. So they're making fun of me. Mediaite is mocking me, a married Catholic man, for refusing to perform fellatio. Can you imagine what kind of upside down world we are in? Humor must be dead. Irony must be dead. Mediaite cannot understand, cannot possibly imagine why a married Catholic man might object to performing fellatio. And I think they're sincere. They're, they're trying to mock me here, but I don't think they're, they're being ironic in their line. I think they actually have no idea why someone might object to this. The act itself which, uh, you know, no, don't, don't do it. Uh, or the, the idea that that act would be justified to solve world hunger. Uh, no, we need, I, something has gone seriously wrong. And we talk about how sexual education is really, really bad these days. The, the, this is why we have anti-grooming laws now in Florida and other states soon to see. Uh, clearly, this has been going on for a lot longer. Media, I think grief. Read a book about morality. Read up on your catechism or something. Goodness gracious. You actually saw this uh, similar kind of uh, confusion in the most important national news story. That would be the saga of Will and Jada Smith. After the slap heard around the world, uh, there was a video that came out of Jada Smith humiliating her husband again. So, Will, you know Esther Perel is coming to the table. She's going to be at the red table. Would you say she has been instrumental in you and I redefining our relationship? I would say don't just start filming me without asking me oh my goodness. if you could film Astaire, me. Astaire, come help us again, please. I'm still dealing with foolishness. Don't. No, no, she, yeah, because she, don't just. Would you say that she helped us heal the hurts that we caused between one another? My social media presence is my bread and butter, Okay. So you can't just use me for social media and not, you know, don't just start. Ro- I'm standing in my house. 
Don't just start rolling. Don't Please watch a stare at the red table because she's helped us a lot. Can't you tell? A lot of people were responding to this and saying, Will, blink three times if, if you're being held captive. Will, poor Will. I mean, this is obviously abusive behavior, but I can't join the pity party for Will Smith. Will, husband your wife. Husband is a noun and it's a verb too. Ha- have some spine, have some leadership here. If your wife is filming you against your will, you, a movie star whose brand is really important, whose public image is really important, then say no. No more phone, honey. Sorry, you don't get the phone anymore because you are abusing this and me and our marriage, and this is really, really bad. And so, no, you don't. No, no more Twitter today, Jada. Sorry. You're not, I don't think you're allowed to say this anymore because this is very patriarchal and old-fashioned and terrible. What's the alternative? What's it? Before the liberals criticize me, before Media Matters cuts this clip, they're probably already doing it because I had the audacity to say that Will Smith should lead his household and Jada Smith should, should maybe put down the phone and listen. What's the alternative? Do you think the Will Smith, the current marriage, is that's the better option? That, that the, this wife is publicly humiliating and cuckolding her husband all the time. And the guy is so broken down about this that he has a, he has a nervous breakdown at the Oscars and slaps Will, Chris Rock rather across the face and still seems cowed and, and, and timid. And is that, that's the option? And you've got all sort of disorder in your family? Or maybe Will stands up and says, no, you can't, no, you're, no, Jada, you're not allowed to sleep with other people. No, Jada, you're not allowed to publicly humiliate me by talking about sleeping with other people on air. No, you're not allowed to just use me to promote your own stupid show that nobody is watching. The only reason we ever hear about is because she pulls stunts like this. No, no more. You're go- I'm head of this household and I'm going to be the knuckle dragging troglodyte patriarch to say, stop cuckolding me on television. Stop it. What's the alternative? Give me a better alternative and I'm willing to hear it. Feminists, liberals, progressives. But until I hear it, uh, I'm going to stick with the old-fashioned idea. Jada, on this stupid show that we only ever hear about because of these exact kind of stunts, she just came out and, and explained her theory of men and women and feminism in the creepiest way, and actually in a way that totally proves the conservatives right on these anti-grooming laws. Jada Smith says that she was taught to, uh, to pleasure herself, sex with someone you love, as Woody Allen called it, when, by her own grandmother when she was nine years old. And the creepiest part, I think, is the reasoning behind it. My grandmother taught me about self-pleasuring because she wanted me to know that that pleasure was from me. Exactly. She didn't want me to fall into the hands of a man and if he gave me pleasure to think that that was him. And she taught me at nine. So creepy. And this is what Jada Smith is teaching her kids. So this is going on and on. That this anti-male hatred, this woman and her grandmother, I guess, hated men so much that they wanted to divorce even sexual pleasure from the other sex. The, The clearest example of where you are supposed to take pleasure in the other sex in men or if you're a man in women, to take even that away because I don't need a man because a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. I guess that's the logical conclusion of feminism. I actually, I, 
I don't think that Jada or her grandmother have gone off the rails if they're beginning from their crazy, flawed feminist premises. But the premises are nuts. They're wrong. They're going to lead to misery. They're going to lead to bad marriages and bad societies. So fine, liberals, feminists, you don't like my traditional view of things? What's the alter? Do you really think that that's any better? A grandma teaching her nine-year-old daughter that to hate men so much that she's got to keep everything just to herself, and then that being passed on through the generation. You think that's good? That's going to lead to an ordered marriage? What is, what's your alternative to the tried and true tradition? Speaking of putting a little bit of uh, faith in yourself, when you want to set up your own future in an ordered and normal and smart and prudent way, I would strongly recommend you check out Bank on Yourself. Right now, go to bankonyourself.com slash Knowles. We have been brainwashed into believing that the only way to grow our money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market. But that's not true. You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking unnecessary risks. Bank on Yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. You can get access to your money for any purpose, no questions asked. You can even use it for purchases or opportunities without interrupting the growth of those dollars. This is the strategy famous businesses used when no banker would lend them a dime, and almost anyone can do it. There's no volatility. You are in control. You get peace of mind. This is the most important part of it, I think. You will know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day that you tap into it and at every point along the way. Get your free report with all the details of how adding Bank on Yourself to your financial plan can help you take back control of your money today. Do it at bankonyourself.com slash Knowles. Bankonyourself.com slash Knowles. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a solicitation for the purchase of any financial product. All guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the insurer. There is no question. Leftism in this country is spreading like a disease. It's getting clearer and clearer by the day. I think people are really waking up to this now because transing the kids was the final straw. And we just think, how, however we got here, we got to stop it. We got to undo whatever led us to this moment. That's why we are discussing it all on a very special episode of Backstage tonight. Not only will all your favorite Daily Wire host be there, me, but I'll also be joined by Jeremy and Ben and Matt and Drew and everybody else. So uh, we're going to be talking about the state of our country and we're going to be welcoming a special guest. That's why you all have to tune in, check it out backstage tonight, all of your favorite DW peeps at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, the Daily Wire YouTube channel. If you're not a member yet, time's running out. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code BUILDTHEFUTURE for 45% off. 45% off. The offer ends tomorrow. Do not miss out. We'll be right back with a lot more. The feminism that Jada Smith and so many other people are espousing has been building up for a long time, and it isn't good, and it's pretty incoherent, but, but now I think it's become totally incoherent. I think now the contradictions of feminism are undeniable. Cracker Jacks, you know, the, the candy you eat when you're at the ballpark, Cracker Jacks has just engaged in this feminist virtue signaling campaign to, to say, we're actually woke. We, the old-timey baseball popcorn, we're, we're very woke. We're no longer Cracker Jack. We're Cracker Jill. 
Play ball. Play ball. Girl power. We, we're adding our face to the game now, except we're singing this song 40 years too late because what's going on right now is not that women are being added to sporting events. It's that women are being completely taken out of sporting events because now transgenderism is the latest craze. And so men are going into the girl sports and they're beating all the girls because men are physically stronger. So actually no more women. Pretty short-lived run for Cracker Jill. Guess we're back to Cracker Jacks, aren't we? Aren't we? A little bit late, guys. You're, you were, you're one or two woke social movements behind from what we're actually doing right now. Even that, that first rhyme, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jill. Nothing can stop you if you have the will. I'm not saying that some great genius philosopher wrote this song, but it, it does sum up the current view of the left which is that everything in life is about your will. It's not about reason. It's not about intellect. It's not about reality. It's that if you, if you have a sufficient tyranny of the will that you, that you are willing to enforce on everyone else, then nothing can stop you. And that's just not true. There are, there are boys out there who have a very strong will to be women. And they're trying to force that onto everyone. But, but it's, not, it's not true. It's not real. There is a limit. Boys can't be girls to use the, the most timely example. Girls might have the will to beat men at the swimming contest, but they can't do it. <laughs> generally speaking, they can't do it. Occasionally, I guess there are some flukes, and, but generally speaking, it's the big hulking dude wearing the Borat suit. He's going to be the one to beat the girls because will is not enough. We also, we have to bring our will and especially our base desires and our appetites, we have to bring that lower will in particular into accord with reason and reality and facts and logic. Speaking of facts and logic, uh, Ben, Ben was out at some university campus a couple nights ago. And, and Ben, as usual, was asked a really dumb question by a student in the crowd. Take a listen to the question. I'm a mathematician and a physicist here, a double major, and I also just won the most prestigious award in the country to pursue research at any institution I want, That's the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship. So I think I'm pretty you know, qualified to say that most of what you're saying is based on like, old data. Um, but my question to you, I and so I want you all to like, realize that. Last month, but sure. Um, like, for example, gender identity disorder, that's the DSM-4, bro. We use the DSM-5 now for psychologists to be able to talk about... I literally about cited the DSM-5 in the speech, and it's called gender dysphoria, which is I the term that I use throughout the speech, not gender you identity disorder. You sound like disorder, a bozo, bro. And you, get no and you can't even make your wife bro, so what's good? So th this kid comes out, and he says, I'm a mathematician and a physicist. I'm a mathematician. I've won the most prestigious award. I've won, and he's, what he's talking about is the NSF grant, which is this government grant that, I don't know, the prestige is a little in question as far as I'm concerned. 
Uh, I know some people who have won the grant and they're not, generally speaking, they're not the brightest bulbs in the pack. But, but even, be, I, even beyond my own personal experience of knowing people who've gotten this grant, the very fact that this dummy won it is evidence that it's not a very prestigious award. This student, whatever he is, mathematician or physicist or whatever he's pretending to be, he is obviously not intelligent and he's most obviously not educated. He, he doesn't speak well. He doesn't think very well. And the best comeback he can think up to Ben Shapiro, who is contradicting his fantasies, is you're a bozo bro and you, you don't get any girls. I'm going to clean up his language. You don't, you don't even get girls, bro. You don't even screw girls. And you, your wife doesn't find you sexually attractive. Ha, 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 ha. And this kid is as confident as they get. And, and he's even got a credential. He's got a credential of something that perhaps at one time had some prestige. So it is, is it any wonder that the, the country is in such bad shape? I, I always go back to that Donald Rumsfeld idea that there were known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. Meaning there's things we know that we know. There are things that we know that we don't know. So we lack knowledge, but we're at least aware of it. And then the most dangerous thing is the unknown unknowns, the things that we don't know that we don't know. Very often, it is the absolute stupidest people on earth who are the most convinced of their own genius. Socrates, on the other hand, one of the smartest people to have ever lived, is the man who said, I know that I know nothing. And that was his great genius. St. Thomas Aquinas, another one of the most intelligent people ever to have lived, had a religious vision. He said, everything I've written is so much straw. Thomas Aquinas wrote the Summa Theologiae, the, <laughs> the sum of all theological knowledge. And he said, oh yeah, that's all just straw. I want to burn it. <laughs> I don't want it. And then you have this know-nothing, this kid who has maybe two brain cells to rub together, comes out and he says, I'm a mathematician. I'm a physicist. And that's why boys are girls or whatever. It's sad. It's depressing. It's always fun to watch these college. I mean, look, I go out and do them. So I've, I've had the firsthand joy and, and pleasure of this as well. But it's always fun to watch clips of someone just destroy some liberal student with facts and logic. But it's pretty depressing too, because these kids often have fairly prestigious degrees and they sometimes get awards for whatever reason. And they have the confidence to run the country and they're running the country into the ground. What are they being taught? I know what they're being taught at Middleton Cross Plains Area School District in Wisconsin. They're not learning their ABCs. They're learning their LGBs. Not a whole lot of reading, writing, and arithmetic at that school. No, students during school hours are being brought into an auditorium to watch a teacher put on a drag show. This fella is dancing on stage. Uh, you're so lucky if you're listening to this right now and you're not watching it. It's a fella who I guess is a teacher who's dancing around in a skimpy outfit showing his derriere. And he's got some kind of stiletto heels on. And I, I think the saddest part of it all is not his own confusion. It's that the students aren't into it. So he's, he's out there dancing his heart away. And the students... It's not even that they're booing him or heckling him. The saddest part is that they're kind of just timidly, sadly applauding. Oh, ha. 
Yeah, okay, good job, Mr. Smith, or whatever. Good job, Mr. So-and-so. This is, of course, brought to us by Libs of TikTok, one of the greatest Twitter accounts out there. The kids are being maleducated here. They're being taught things that aren't true, like that boys can be girls or that it's good to dress up and drag during school hours and dance around. But there's something even, maybe even sadder, or at least equally sad, is the wasted time. Sometimes you, you go back, I'll go back and read letters that people wrote, sometimes famous people, sometimes just ordinary people, that they wrote during high school or during college. Sometimes these are published with collections of their letters. And what strikes you is how intelligent they are, how articulate they are, what kinds of stories and knowledge people just had offhand. You'll, you'll sometimes hear about farmers in the 19th century, just being able to quote the Bible from it, the King James Bible, just being able to quote it from memory. People can't do that now. Even the really smart kids, even the geniuses for, who, with, who are mathematicians and physicists who won the very, very real NSF award grant, right? All, all of these, they don't know anything. Even at the prestigious universities, they often don't know anything. And it's so sad because of all the wasted time. I forget who the poet was. There's some modern poet who had a surprisingly good poem for modern poetry that, that said that the, the sad thing about sin is not only how sin hurts people and destroys things and hurts ourselves and damages our relationship with God, but that it's just such a damn waste of time. <laughs> you could be, you've got precious few moments on this earth that you could be using to build something up, to do something productive, to, to pursue virtue, to make your life better and your life better for your families. And, and then when we sin, we just waste time. And for what? So that we can do some drugs or like do some weird sex thing or dance around or have to watch some, in this case, have to watch some teacher humiliate himself on stage and pretend that this is good. It's just such a waste of time. And it's a real attack on students' education. Speaking of attacks, there was a major physical violent attack yesterday in New York in the subway system. Uh, the, the, the information about this attack was really muddy and really vague. The good news is, that though a, a gunman walked into a subway car, had gas canisters, had gas masks, had guns, apparently fired lots of rounds, only 10 people were shot. And apparently, last time I checked the news on this before the show, no one had died. Some people were in critical condition, but it was stable. Uh, a couple dozen more were injured just from people trampling them or from smoke inhalation or getting off. But this was a major attack. And there's a rule. I think maybe it was Ann Coulter who came up with this rule. At least she's popularized it. When, when you do not immediately hear about a suspect's race or sex or religion, you can know with 100% certainty that the suspect is not a straight white Christian man. You can just, you can know that because if there's even a, a chance that the suspect who's committed the crime is a straight white Christian man, that will be the first thing in the headlines. And frankly, even if, if the guy who is, is the perpetrator here or the suspect isn't white, but is plausibly, maybe there's a chance he's white and a man and straight and Christian, you'll see that in the headlines. You saw this notably in the killing of Trayvon Martin. They said, white man kills black teenager in this neighborhood. And he wasn't a white man. George Zimmerman's a Hispanic guy. And then the New York Times said, well, he's, no, he's a white Hispanic guy. Looks like a Hispanic Hispanic guy to me. They just got excited because they saw a name that seemed, seemed white. They saw he's a man. And so they ran with the headline. 
And so the, the minute I saw, we don't know who the suspect is, we don't know, any, I said, okay, well, it's not a straight white Christian man. I can know that, not because I know anything really about crime or justice, it's just because I know the media so well. And it turns out that that's right. They finally named uh, a person of interest, Frank James, still wasn't seeing a ton of information about him. And so Frank James is a 62-year-old black guy who has expressed radical racial political views on the internet. Here's just one clip that's going around. I had no idea with that African name that she would be married to a white man. One of my subscribers brought that to my attention. Yeah. Our black sister, Supreme Court Justice, power to the people, is married to a white man. She's I don't believe this Oh, God. Wait a minute. This, this is the motherfucker. There he is. There he is. White man. Black sister. Kitanjate. Married to a white man. Can you believe that? That awful woman married to a white man. This guy, I think, is nuts. I watched some of his other videos. And generally speaking, they are not presenting a coherent political ideology. Generally speaking, he just seems like a crazy person. And, but, but he does express some views on his politics. And what he's expressing is clearly a black nationalist, anti-white kind of political ideology. I don't even want to say it. I don't, do I have to, I guess I have to say it. If the shoe were on the other foot, can you imagine what the media would say? I have to say it just to get, just to get it out there. If there were a similarly crazy white guy who said all sorts of crazy things, but then also said, I hate it when white guys marry black women. Isn't that horrible? That's terrible to the white race. Every single headline would be, the white supremacy is a terrible problem in America. We, all the white people are so awful and, the, and uh, we have got too much whiteness and we got to abolish whiteness. And, but you're not going to hear any of that. The absence of that kind of talk here, which I think, frankly, might even be merited because I, I assume the guy actually is just nuts. I don't, I don't know that this is the terror attack of some political revolutionary genius. I think it's probably a pretty, pretty mentally disturbed guy who also has pretty disturbed racial and political views. But the absent, the absolute absence of talk about this, of the black nationalism, of the anti-white bigotry, the absence is the indictment. And it's not even the indictment of this guy. It's the indictment of the legacy establishment liberal media. Speaking of physical violence on racial grounds, for that matter, a YAF speaker was just, had to just be escorted out of a speech at the University of Buffalo by the police. The YAF chairman, this uh, young student, called the police while cowering in the bathroom from the violent mob. The violent mob was made up of BLM members. BLM members who showed up to the University of Buffalo and didn't just politely ask their questions, but were threatening people, were getting very, very violent, were banging very heavily on the doors. And the funniest part of all, you know who the speaker was? Alan West. <laughs> not, not a white supremacist. Last time I checked, Alan West, very much a black man who has very mainstream conservative political views. He was giving a talk on how America is not a racist country. This was too much for BLM. So they chased all these people off campus. And, and what, what they believe, what the leftists at, at 
U Buffalo and BLM specifically believes is that if they make enough of these threats and they have enough people escorted out by police and they have enough students cowering in the bathroom calling 911, that conservatives are going to stop showing up to campus. And so, yeah, they'll get, they'll get in trouble. Maybe some of them will get in trouble. Actually, probably, probably they won't given the left-wing leadings of the universities. But hey, they'll, they'll achieve what they wanted, which is to kick conservatives off campus. Sort of immoral means, but they're going to get that end that they really want. So they think it's all justified. I am scheduled to speak at the University of Buffalo in two weeks, I believe. And I suspect they think that they're going to get my speech shut down because, oh, we don't want to hear it. Probably the university administration doesn't want to have to deal with this. Probably there's going to be a lot more security costs. And they think that we're just going to say, okay, we're not going to do it. Maybe we'll go next semester. But you know me. You know, I'm, I'm not going to give in that easily. So I will be going to University of Buffalo. I can't wait to give my talk on YAF. I think I'm going to focus in particular on how BLM is a criminal organization and how we're not going to put up with that and we're not going to be bullied and we're not going to back down and we're not going to let the radical left take over our entire country because we don't want them to chase us or threaten us with physical violence. So I'm going to go there and I think, I think maybe they just gave me my topic for the speech. I very much look forward to that. If you're in the Buffalo area, I, I sure hope you come out. You can find out more at yaf.org, sign up, get some tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're not, they're not going to take away our fun. I don't think so. Speaking of violence, there's some good news on the violence front, which is that Oklahoma has just outlawed probably the most vile and evil form of violence in the entire country, which is abortion. Oklahoma has just made it a felony to perform an abortion. The governor of Oklahoma signed state legislation yesterday, making that a felony. It's the Senate Bill 612, which says, quote, a person shall not purposely perform or attempt to perform an abortion except to save the life of a pregnant woman in a medical emergency. So not even a an emotional emergency or a psychological emergency where the woman might be distressed. No, we're talking about an acute medical emergency, which practically speaking doesn't exist. There's, there, there is no case in which the abortion specifically is the cure and is the only cure for a, a medical threat to the life of the mother. We can get to more of that perhaps some other time when we do a fuller abortion day. But anyone convicted of this, of performing an abortion, shall be guilty of a felony punishable by a fine of $100,000, not to exceed $100,000, or by confinement in prison for a term not to exceed 10 years, or by such uh, fine and imprisonment together. This is great stuff. It'll be challenged by the courts, but actually probably there won't be time for it to make it all the way up to the high court because the Supreme Court is going to decide this spring whether or not to overrule Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. That is, the Supreme Court this spring could very possibly overturn the fictional right, constitutional right to an abortion that a bunch of robed lawyers on the Supreme Court made up out of whole cloth in 1973. I was just talking to Senator Cruz about this a couple days ago when we were doing our event at Yale. He is he's a Supreme Court litigator. He's argued before the court. He was up for a Supreme Court nomination, though he turned it down. He knows the institution well. He clerked for the Chief Justice. He thinks it's quite likely that the Supreme Court will overrule Roe versus Wade, in which case laws like this are going to be really, really important. We should see them all around the country starting now. Why did the governor sign this bill, knowing that it very likely could be overturned, depending on what the court does with Roe? Because he said he's going to sign every piece of pro-life legislation that comes before his desk. I love that. Great job, 
for the governor of Oklahoma. Keep it simple. It's not that complicated. Killing babies is really, really, really wrong. Any law that comes before the governor that will stop that from happening or reduce the frequency at which that happens, sign it. Love that. Speaking of healthcare, before we go, have to get to this story. A new COVID variant just dropped. Here it goes, guys. You, you, were, you were all waiting around on that last COVID subvariant. That was the COVID Omicron BA2 subvariant. Well, now we got the COVID Omicron XE. This is, this is the latest, this is like the latest iPhone version where it's not, you know, it's not all that different, but they try to really hype it up and they are really trying to hype it up. The COVID czar is saying that we might, we might need to get back to those public health measures to stop the spread of the COVID XE Omicron BA LMNOP. Does that mean that extending the mask mandate in public transportation is a live option? It's on the table? Yeah, I, I look, this is a CDC decision, uh, and uh, I think it is absolutely on the table. And, the, and Dr. Walensky is going to make uh, her decision based on, on the framework that the CDC scientists create, and, and we'll make a decision uh, collectively based on that. Absolutely, absolutely, it's still on the table. I hate to say I told you so. It ties right into my favorite comment at the top of the show. I told you Fauci's not going away. The public health COVID apparatus is not going away. They never gave up that power and they're going to bring it back when they're in political trouble. Are they in political trouble? You better believe it. Everything is going wrong for the ruling class in this country right now. There is no sign that any of it is going to turn around before the midterm elections. They know it's going to be bad. They're not going to get that drop out of the sky of good luck because they've made their own bad luck. And you can't just unwind that out of the blue. So what can you expect? You can expect more lockdowns. What can you expect? You can expect certainly more mail-in ballots. You can expect them to tighten up on that power because every decision they've made to this point, this has left them their, their only option if they want to try to stop the, the flood in November. So get, get ready for it, folks. Get ready for XEABCP2123 variant, or we can wield our political power and say no, enough. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 